Greetings, welcome, bienvenidos, hola, aloha, nihao, namaste, konnichiwa, bonjour, bonjourno, sawadee korup, guten tak, jau wee viva kat bang, half a day, jai janendra, priviet, salam, shalom, peace, now, go vegan, peace how, go vegan, and uh, this is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, and please remember the rules as uh, medically mandated by the WHO and its president, uh, Dr. Uh, Baba O'Reilly. Um, what do you do when you are within six feet of meat, dairy, fish, or eggs? That's right. Mask over your mouth until you are a safe distance from those health hazards which have killed millions more people than COVID-19 ever did, ever will. Uh, we do have uh, strange priorities, don't we? And a very strange uh, diet, uh, that uh, uh, Wall Street-backed corporate diet of death, disease, and destruction that, uh, you know, all the anti-capitalists uh, like, like to eat. I'm anti-capitalism. Let's uh, let's go go to McDonald's, huh? Right? Okay. Well, we are uh, isolated, socially distanced, uh, <laughs> as we have been, you know, most of our adult life, um, and we are veganized for your protection, doing our part to overcome speciesism and human privilege, and uh, you know what a privilege it is to. Uh, eat, wear, and uh, use others without blinking an eye. Let's imprison, torture, mutilate, and kill the innocent. Why? Because they uh, taste good uh, when uh, smothered in ketchup. Uh, oh, and their shining skin makes such a pretty coat, right? And let's test some new vaccines on them before we all become a laboratory experiment. Whew, these are batshit crazy times with a coronavirus that uh, either originated from uh, batshit or uh, you know, bat eating or bat experimentation uh, originating from animal abuse for sure as so many of our problems uh, do are have been no animal eating no animal experimentation no COVID-19, no bird flu, no swine flu, uh, no uh, 80 or 90 percent of fatal degenerative disease, as we are told is caused by the consumption of animal protein, told that by T. Colin Campbell of the China study on this very program. Look in the archives for T. Colin Campbell. Uh, I should do that because I, I always forget whether he said it was 80% or 90% of fatal degenerative disease caused by consumption of animal protein and the dairy protein, the carcinogen to which Americans are most exposed. As uh, Colonel uh, Bernie Sanders says, health care for all. How much health care for all would we need if we all go vegan i can't believe i can't do a new york accent i'm from the bronx i'm from manhattan i went to stuyvesant high school i went to queens college i can't do i can't do a new york accent 
And Bernie, who's been in Vermont for forever, he can't lose his New York accent. Huh? What sort of dent in that 80 to 90 percent of fatal degenerative disease would we make if we all go vegan? That would be, uh, oh, should I translate the New Yorkese? Okay, health care for all. I actually took classes to try to lose my New York accent. And uh, basically, you put the R where it belongs and you take it out where it doesn't belong. Okay? I saw Linder in the pack yesterday. <sighs> These times are so batshit crazy. Uh, you know, that, that the whole vegan thing has been in the spotlight recently in batshit crazy ways, you know, and uh, holy shit, I said shit on this show. I don't think I've ever said shit on this show. And, uh, you know, we're going to have our 20th anniversary uh, in January if, uh, you know, if the world survives uh, the next election. So it took me 19 years to have the courage to say shit on this show. And, uh, well, wh why am I so uh, uncomfortable about that? I had a career in commercial mainstream uh, radio. I was a program director and on air at radio stations all across the country where saying shit, and of course the F word, uh, could lose the radio station's FCC license. Um, is that an F word, FCC? Um, and, of course, uh, George Carlin's seven words were strictly forbidden. Um, and, you know, something I am having some immediate remorse. Yay. Just, just what I needed. A new, uh, a new regret in my life. Huh? Is there room for one more regret in my life? <sighs> How I should have taken the program director job at the Wave in Los Angeles. But no, instead, I went to 94Q in Atlanta, where the general manager who hired me was the guy um, upon whom the Mr. Carlson character was based in... Uh, WKRP in Cincinnati. No joke, that's the truth. Why didn't I take the program director job at the Wave in L.A.? Why didn't I say uh, bat poop crazy just moments ago? Of all species on the planet, why is bat defecation considered the craziest? Wouldn't the craziest sh uh, uh, poop be that from a meat, dairy, egg, and fish-eating herbivore, you know, like uh, non-vegan humans? Uh, you know, these are human shit, uh, the poop uh, crazy times. Uh, hmm. You know, a species suffering... Great constipation, actually, except for Jerry Nadler. <laughs> uh, yeah. When they say Jerry Nadler has got to go, I mean, seriously, did you see the video? Uh, it, it just means, you know, when Jerry Nadler has got to go, that just means he needs to 
changes the pens. <laughs> well, poop crazy times, poop crazy, human poop crazy, bat poop crazy, and uh, oh, and and watch the poop on how vegan. Um, Vegan, uh, crazy, uh, you know, vegans, you know, stays crazy with the times, uh, you know, Sean Hannity, um, you know, weeks ago was quick to point out that, uh, you know, the Chaz Chop uh, protesters in Seattle were demanding vegan meals, you know, here, here's one of those times when I wish the term plant-based would have been used. You know, I don't like the term plant-based, uh, you know, plant-based. Uh, it's, it's a term, I, I mean, I'm, I'm still trying to embrace the, the term plant-based, but I can't. I still have no idea what plant-based means. Uh, the Forks Over Knives website defines it uh, to include animal products uh, in one's diet. So uh, don't worry, you can be uh, a, a plant-based, you know, you can, you can be plant-based and still, still eat bats. Don't worry, okay? You know, just, uh, you know, you can have uh, bat-free Mondays or something, you know? Um, so, as you can tell, I've been sitting here in isolation uh, too long, you know? Well, really not isolated, I mean... I, I I knew I loved dogs, you know, I knew I loved dogs more than, oh, there's my New York accent coming out, dogs, right? I knew I loved dogs more than anyone uh, before COVID-19, and now, whew, I love them even more, you know, if, if that were possible. And people, not so much, not so much. Um... And so, you know, that's uh, what I try to do in uh, in in my uh, spare time. I hug and love dogs, you know, while uh, while staring at my screen, my screen, uh, my my window to the outside world. You know, I watch a lot of YouTube videos. Um, I absorb uh, a lot of uh, conspiracy. Well, some people say theories, I might say analysis, uh, and, uh, you know that YouTube, uh, does that autoplay thing, so, is there a way to stop it from, you know, a constant barrage of Joe Rogan, uh, podcasts? I mean, that's, uh, that's, that seems to be my YouTube, uh, go-to autoplay, another Joe Rogan podcast, you know, I mean... And, uh, you know, I mean, it's a very popular podcast. I mean, he has millions and millions of listeners, so I don't want to offend him uh, too much here um, because, you know, you never know when I might be one of those guests. Um, but it's unlikely because Joe Rogan is pretty much a constant barrage of anti-vegan propaganda. Um, you know, whether it is he... Or his guests, you know. And you, you know what? What's so bat, uh, bat, uh, poop crazy is that Joe Rogan credits PETA videos, um, and these were PETA videos about so-called 
Factory Farms. He credits PETA videos about Factory Farms for him becoming a bow hunter. Uh, can you believe it? Um, a bow hunter with his home freezer full of elk meat. Yeah. Rogan said he saw... Uh, the PETA videos about factory farms and thought uh, he would either have to become a vegetarian and uh, he and he didn't say vegan so um, he'd either have to become a vegetarian and of course uh, you know non-vegan vegetarian you know those who eat uh, dairy and eggs sometimes they they eat fish and consider themselves uh, uh, vegetarian. Sometimes they eat chicken and consider themselves vegetarian. Um, but uh, I, I guess maybe the the lacto ovos, you know, the uh, <laughs> where the the uh, dairy and egg industries left all the way to the bank with lacto ovo vegetarians who really are doing nothing. I mean, you may you may as well eat the chicken, may as well eat the cow. Um, you know, non-vegan vegetarianism is, uh, you know, it, it's feeling good about <laughs> doing nothing, basically. So, um, so Joe Rogan watches these factory farm uh, videos and uh, says uh, he, he either has to go vegetarian or go kill animals uh, and, and eat them. So uh, he chose to uh, go kill animals and eat them. Uh, this host of the most popular podcast. I mean, is he going to influence millions of people and talk about PETA factory farm videos and all these millions of people are going to go out hunting? Uh, I don't know. Um, Joe, uh, you know, and, and I have no choice but to watch his uh, podcast sometimes. At least there aren't those obnoxious, annoying YouTube ads popping up every few seconds. Um, so Joe often calls himself, quote, a moron, end quote, on his show. Um, and one must wonder at uh, times uh, if uh, he is merely suffering from uh, chronic wasting disease, which is the contagious brain-wasting disease in elk, you know, similar to mad cow disease, you know, which is BSE, bovine spongiform encephalopathy, or a scrapian sheep, Creutzfeldt, Jakob, and people that might be Alzheimer's. Um, I don't know. <sighs> to watch videos about the horrors of factory farms and then become a hunter a bow hunter, no less, who talks about reverence for the animal when killing him or her. That's always such a joke, right? Oh, I have reverence and, and thanks and gratitude for the animal who would just rather, you know, like, run and escape. Yeah. Oh, I have reverence. I, we, we use all, the, all that, the whole animal, you know. So, such reverence. Such reverence. Um... I think it uh, shows, uh, apparently this is showing the inadequacies of uh, opposing factory farms 
instead of all animal agriculture, instead of opposing all um, consumption of meat, dairy, fish, and eggs, uh, which allows people, you know, uh, to feel good about doing the wrong thing, you know? I mean, it's like, oh, I don't eat meat from factory farms. Only, oh, you know, what's a family farm, you know? I mean, uh, yeah, so... So yeah, you you watch videos about uh, factory farms and suddenly you can feel good about bow hunting or eating cage-free or free-range or grass-fed or organic animal products, which are all cruel, all torturous, all um, killing each and every animal. Nobody escapes, nobody escapes alive, whether a factory farm or family farm you know, or, uh, yeah, so, I don't know. Um, Joe Rogan also calls himself a, a comedian, and I have never found him to be funny with all all those uh, autoplay uh, podcasts I watch. Never found him to be funny. Um, have you? Have you? Um, here's a guy, well, I'm, you know, He's get, he's got a hundred million dollar Spotify deal for his podcast. So I I have a hundred dollar deal uh, for this podcast. Um, if if you send a hundred dollars, there's a donate button at goveganradio.com. So help me have a hundred uh, dollar uh, podcast deal, please, uh, or. Uh, you know, four people send $25, I'll have a $100 podcast deal. So, wouldn't it be great? A million people, a million people sending $100 to go vegan radio. 200 million just sending $50. And uh, this show will be like Joe, uh, Joe Rogan quality. You know, I mean, he has, you know, interesting topics, interesting guests. But, uh, you know, I mean, if you want your podcast, you know, in uh, coming to you via elk breath. All right. Whatever. Um, have you ever found Joe Rogan to be funny? Have you? Have you? Have you? Um, I haven't. Hey, did you hear the one about the uh, innocent? Uh, uh, the, the, the one about the innocent elk uh, who uh, wanted to be shot by the world's top podcaster? I'll leave a break here, you know, maybe uh, if somebody sends the $100, we can get a laugh track and put it in there. So, uh, YouTube Autoplay gives me another Joe Rogan podcast, and on this one, his guest was uh, Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson, all right, finally a vegan tough guy on Tough Guy Joe Rogan's show. So I thought, well, this is going to be good. Until Mike Tyson gets all excited about Joe Rogan giving him a, a you know, a bunch of elk steaks. As he uh, shows Mike, Joe Rogan actually shows Mike a picture of the elk he killed that Mike would be eating. That's, that's nice, the personal touch, right? This is comedy. This is, this is like, who are these people? 
kind of Seinfeld comedy, huh? <sighs> to me, it's, uh, you know, once you go vegan, you can't, you can never go uh, back. Um, at least I can't understand it. Once you get it, how do you unget it? You know, Mike was complaining that he didn't like uh, kale and blueberries. So bring on the elk steaks. Didn't Mike tattoo vegan on his neck? I think I remember seeing that. I guess I'll just have to buy a bunch of uh, elk skin uh, turtleneck sweaters to, to hide that. Yeah. Mike Tyson had been vegan since 2010. I know that there are all these stories out there saying, oh, Mike Tyson is still vegan. But uh, unless it, the whole thing uh, was a comedy bit on uh, on the Joe Rogan show. Yeah, I don't think so. Mike Tyson had been vegan since 2010. His return to uh, evil ways must be uh, pretty recent, you know, as uh, because as recently um, as this past May, he is quoted as saying, and, and this is from uh, Talk Sport, quote, becoming a vegan gave me another opportunity to live a healthy life. I was so congested from all the drugs and bad cocaine. I could hardly breathe, high blood pressure, almost dying, arthritis. And once I became a vegan, all that stuff diminished. End quote. He told uh, um, he told GQ Sports in 2019. Quote: I don't eat anything that has a mother and father. Um, end quote. Now I guess it's back to eating a plate of children. It's back to eating those who have ha who who've had a mother and father. Um, and also, um, you know, Tyson uh, was talking about how he's he's back on the comeback trail, ready ready to fight again, actually. So maybe it's time to give up that ear of corn for the ear of another uh, boxing opponent. Uh, <laughs> and of course, time to return to that congestion, high blood pressure, arthritis. You know, all, all that good stuff. And, uh, well, he made Joe Rogan happy. You know, Joe Rogan seems to, to really enjoy, um, you know, hearing that Mike is uh, back to eating the uh, offspring of mothers and fathers. Uh, Joe just loves to talk anti-vegan propaganda. Uh, he and Jimmy Dore had a good laugh over uh, Jimmy's failure uh, at trying to go vegan. Ah, uh, the speciesism of moralists. Huh? It's a joke. Maybe. I don't know what's funny anymore. Joe recently had some uh, non-vegan schmo on his show talking morality. The schmo was saying how, you know, in the future, um, we'll, we'll look back um, in horror at the things, uh, you know, that we're doing today. And uh, the example uh, this uh, schmo on Joe's show uh, said, he said, uh, he used the example of, of eating animals from factory farms. Of course, never questioning the morality of eating animals at all. 
Oh, factory farm thing. It, it, the, 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 it just gives people rationalizations, you know, just, you know, humane meat. Just all the rationalizations. The, you know, people are willing to spend a little more money to continue, you know, doing evil, but feeling good about it. You know, all this rational, rationalizing. Um, uh, you know, and, and you know, even, uh, you know, sometimes the uh, moralists, uh, you know, allude to the hypocrisy. But, you know, ketchup tastes really good. Te ketchup really tastes good on somebody's body. So, you know, forgiven. Uh, and... Uh, you know, then uh, Joe had a, another guest on um, who uh, was all upset, you know, about the huge uh, drift nets, the fishing that just gobbles up, uh, you know, pretty much everyone in the ocean. Uh, but her solution wasn't, you know, to stop eating sea creatures. Her solution was, you know, that we need, uh, you know, individual ang anglers, you know, uh, so, you know, that people go out in a boat and maybe catch one or two fish. So, uh, so that's a great solution. Millions of small boat anglers taking one or two fish still, still equals a lot, you know, and uh, the oceans are depleted. There's, there's no sustainable so-called seafood. It's all a scam, all a scam. Uh... I, I just don't get it. How do people go vegan and then go non-vegan after that? Inexplicable to me. Uh, seems to happen to a lot of uh, celebrities, though. You know, uh, who often... Uh, you know, celebrities aren't often <laughs> the most stable among us anyway. You know, we... Uh, we, we celebrate them because of their ability to, uh, you know, pretend to be fake, to, to use somebody else's words to <laughs> make them celebrities. So who, who went back after going vegan? Who went back after knowing, you know, the, the secret of life, the, the, the truth of life, the truth of health, the truth of Really caring about animals and the planet. Who went back, anyway? Well, you got your Ellen. Ellen. Um, who, uh, you know, she's in the news lately for not being uh, very popular or kind to the staff. Uh, you know, so look at all the, all the vegans who, uh, who went back. Alicia Silverstone. Um... Anne Hathaway, I see a little list here. I don't necessarily know all these people. I, I don't really, I don't know who a lot of celebrities are these days. Uh, Anne Hathaway, Natalie Portman, Kristen Bell, Zoe Deschanel, is it Zoe, Zoe, Steve O. Steve O uh, was vegan, isn't vegan anymore. Wendy Williams, Carrie Underwood. Angela Jolie, Samuel L. Jackson, Bob Harper, is it Liam? Liam, uh, Hamas, Hamsa, I don't even know who these people are. Miley Cyrus, 
Bill Clinton. Uh, so, uh, yeah. You know, the, Bill Clinton was still calling himself a vegan while he was eating fish and eggs. You know, you can, you can be a, you know, it, it's so cool to be vegan that, you know, you got your categories. I'm a fish and egg eating vegan. I'm a meat eating vegan. I'm a hamburger eating vegan. Why not? I'm a vegan after six, before six. I'm a vegan on weekends. I'm a vegan between meals. I'm a vegan while I'm sleeping. But, you know, we don't really need celebrities to go vegan. We need normal people uh, to go vegan. You know, we need you to go vegan. <laughs> I, is this the first time you've been called normal in a while? Um, I don't know. What can all these has-been vegan celebrities say, you know? I used to really be smart. You know, I, I used to really care about animals. I used to really care about the environment. I, yeah, I, you know, going vegan is the only solution for climate change. The only solution. We need a, a mass population shift to vegan to save the planet from climate change and... Uh, you know, deforestation, resource depletion, pollution, all of that, you know. But, you know, ketchup, uh, ketchup tastes good on, uh, on uh, you know, upon a corpse. So, uh, you know, ketchup tastes good on a corpse. And, uh, you know, there are, you know, who really cares about these celebrities anyway, you know, or, you know, they're... There are so many rumors about celebrities, you know, actors, politicians, heads of corporations, um, you know, rumors about, uh, oh no, oh no, Bobby, you're not going to go there, are you? At the risk of being called a conspiracy theorist, you know, for the hundredth time this week, um, I could go either way. Either I can be an astute observer of uh, things to be revealed, things to come, or maybe this is all just bizarre fiction brought about by, uh, you know, breathing in my own masked, my own masked exhalation, you know. How healthy can that be? Wearing a mask and breathing in what you're breathing out. What you're breathing out is meant for the trees to breathe. So... But it's wonderful mind control, a wonderful exercise in mind control, this whole COVID-19 thing is. Mm. Anyway, so the thing is, I, I do have a pretty good record of being ahead of the times, if I may be so, uh, you know, egomaniacal here, um, you know, uh but, you know, when you're really ahead of the times, it really makes you look bat, shi uh, uh, bat poop crazy uh, quite often. You know, but my innovative uh, music radio formats showed me to be ahead of the times. Put them on, great ratings, successful stations around the country. Uh, it would have been great to have taken the program director job at The Wave. I recently looked up uh, the guy who wanted to hire me at the at the Wave. The reason I took the job in Atlanta was the program director who was there before me, 
had the job for uh, like 12 years and you know there's really no stability in in radio you thought every day would be your last that's the way it goes um and uh, the wave was being sold in los angeles so i didn't know what was going to happen so it turned out that i you know went to atlanta for a short-lived job working for mr call mr carlson there we'll call we'll call jerry blum mr carlson you know when he fired me it was like bob i i and here's a guy making what couple of hundred three hundred thousand dollars a year and it's like bob I, I i don't have the constitution to be innovative you know so hit the road jack should have taken the job at the wave so just recently i thought let, let me look up the guy who uh who wanted to hire me at the wave maybe we can collaborate and do you know do something musically you know maybe we can get my format on you know do radio stations still exist my career was on uh you know now they're called terrestrial radio stations i'm I'm considered a dinosaur um so i thought well maybe i could do live streaming or you know something some network kind of thing let me get a hold of the guy who really wanted to hire me at the wave you know and uh he's been dead now for about five years i see when i when i google him ah uh, so, just one of the many regrets, <laughs> the many regrets, you know, like, like when your old uh, high school sweetheart uh, calls you up uh, when you're already engaged to be married to a butcher's daughter. Uh, anyway, so, anyway, what, what was I saying? Oh, I'm I'm always ahead of the times, right? So my innovative music radio formats ahead of the times and uh i'm vegan now for uh, 35 years that's pretty much ahead of the times right vegan for 35 years and that uh, my only the, the only thing i don't regret at all okay the best thing i ever did is to go vegan so and uh but you know to to, to to go for uh you know some uh extra extra clicks clickbait this show you know we we, we want to get more listeners so we we got to do the clickbait thing here a little bit so i'm gonna go off of my usual topics you know here and uh see how people well you know it is the new eye it is the new eye you you heard me I said the S word for the first time in my uh, career, you know, so it is the new Bob Linden, the new Bob Linden. So I did read, uh, you know, some of those John Podesta emails, you know, um, the, everything, uh, you know, a while back, uh, you know, everything raising questions about, uh, oh, you know, everything from sexual misconduct uh, to pedophilia human trafficking even uh you know uh, satanic rituals uh all of those suspicions about the elite you know um even though you know the mainstream media is probably run by you know elite pedophiles anyway um they're always uh, debunking 
the pizza gates of the world you know um what was that restaurant in dc what was it called comet pizza or comet ping pong or something anyhow the weirdest and and why should i be bringing this up on a vegan show why why well the weirdest thing vegan that i have seen i don't know in the last you know maybe forever uh came out in the news just days ago it's just so strange so uh, it was reported that bill clinton had an intimate dinner with some friends in august 2014 including of all people Ghislaine Maxwell. I think that's how you pronounce her name, even though her first name has a bunch of, like, H's and S's in it, you know, just just so she can remain incognito, even with her name, right? Hiding in some estate in New Hampshire when they found her and arrested her recently. So, of all people at this intimate dinner was uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, Jeffrey Epstein's partner in crime and by uh you know august of 2014 it was known that she was jeffrey epstein's partner in crime um and uh where was this dinner held it was held at a vegan restaurant in la crossroads kitchen co-owned by Oprah's old chef, Tal Raman, Ranan, Ranan, uh, and uh, and Oprah, by the way, has come under fire lately. Uh, let's make the maybe the ratings will really go up if I just, you know, after 19 years, let's just make this a uh, you know celebrity rumor uh, vegan talk show. The world needs needs more of those, right? Or one of those, or maybe. Maybe there are hundreds. What do I know? Um, so Oprah has come under fire lately for her friendship for uh, with uh, Harvey uh, Weinstein. You know? Um, and uh, so a lot, of, a lot of people are upset with her, calling her out on that, especially Seal, Singer Seal. Um, anyway, so... Um, Chef uh, Tal Ranen was uh, the one who prepared her food when she went vegan for 21 days. Yeah, Oprah stuck to it pretty well. But okay, she did give Howard Lyman, you know, a, a forum. So, all right, there. So, and others said to have been... so. So others, yeah, others said to have been at uh, Crossroads Kitchen that night, Crossroads Kitchen, on Melrose. I guess I should give it a plug before I, <laughs> before I talk about how strange it is. Um, so others at Crossroads Kitchen that night when Bill Clinton had Ghislaine Maxwell and others at an, uh, oh, that guy Bing, who committed suicide recently. Yeah, he was at that dinner. Um, also Bruce Willis was, uh, at that restaurant that night and, uh, Sean Penn, uh, 
not certain um not certain if they were in the Clinton party but they were at the restaurant that night uh a restaurant said to be popular with Ellen and Katy Perry and uh didn't uh, Katy Perry uh said that uh you know she sold her soul to the devil she sold her soul to the devil uh you know for her successful music career and you know if you look at uh, her videos or her live performances uh you know anything uh, satanic about them i don't know i don't know i'm just uh just thinking out loud in isolation here and then i i start getting these weird thoughts like crossroads crossroads just you know had this weird far out thought that like uh what a coincidence you know there's a song about selling one's soul to the devil you know for a successful music career that's an old blues song by robert johnson crossroads crossroads blues right and uh pretty amazing right uh and i'm thinking i'll just just the coincidence right uh you know crossroads kitchen i'm just thinking out loud making uh, you know crazy connections here and then i'm watching this exclusive uh gayot video interview um with uh chef Tal ronan so G A Y O T. So it's a an exclusive interview, and he's asked why the name Crossroads, and Chef Tal says, quote, "My partner Steve came up with the name. It's an old blues reference. He's really into music. An old blues reference about uh, you know selling your soul to the devil, and in, in that case, you know Robert Johnson." Wanted to really become, you know, this great blues player. So, went down to the crossroads and uh, made a deal. So, um, so I just thought, what, what, a, how weird, you know, that uh, we'll, we'll see what the future reveals about uh, these people, pedoph pedophilia, satanic ritual. All, all the weird things about Hollywood and Washington, D.C. and New York. And uh, so just strange, you know. Yeah. Chef Tall says, my partner Steve came up with the name. It's an old blues reference. He's really into music. But then the chef continues. Um he says, uh, but for me, crossroads means a place where vegetarians and non-vegetarians can meet and cross paths and share a meal together. So, is that a cover-up? Huh? <laughs> was that was that the chef's cover-up here? I don't know. Um. I'm not accusing anybody of anything. I'm not accusing 
crossroads of being the West Coast, uh, you know, Comet Pizza or Comet Ping Pong. Not accusing anyone of that. I know it's just the craziest, strangest idea. So, uh, <laughs> uh, just remember, uh, you know, I mean, don't don't take it seriously. I'm just the Joe Rogan kind of comedian here, um, and uh, but if it comes true, remember where you heard it. You heard it first here, even though I'm really not saying that. You know, I mean, it's like, Bobby, what are you doing? What are you doing talking about weird things like, uh, you know, pedophilia and all that kind of stuff? Why don't you just stick to uh, animal issues and, uh, you know, all of that kind of stuff? So, lo and behold, just as I'm uh, talking about all of this, into my inbox comes... Uh, an alert from Animals 24-7. Animals 24-7. The headline, David Wills, ex-Humane Society of the U.S. Vice President, gets life in prison. Now, of course, I used to think that the policies toward animals um, that uh, you know were concocted by HSUS Really should should put uh, should put most of the people at HSUS in prison. What you know, what they've been selling the public for forever, you know, is is really criminal. Um, I don't know if I would have given them life in prison. Uh, probably, uh, you know, probably three three lives three lives in prison for uh, promoting cage free eggs and uh, just just a horrendous. Just the worst organization imaginable. So detrimental to animals, um, the Humane Society of the United States. So, uh, but anyway, uh, you know, caught my eye here. David Wills, ex-Humane Society of the U.S. Vice President, gets life in prison. And so what is uh, Animals 24-7 telling us here? Uh, from Corpus... Oh, life sentence rendered after case was before the courts for five years. Corpus Christi, Texas. David Keith Will, 68, former Michigan Humane Society Executive Director and Vice President for Investigations at the Humane Society of the U.S., was uh, on September 22, 2020, formally sentenced to serve life in federal prison. Wills was convicted on October 8, 2019 of one count of conspiracy to commit sex trafficking of a minor female, uh, seven counts each of sex trafficking and coercion, enticement of a minor female, one count of attempted coercion, enticement, and one count of conspiracy, to obstruct justice. Judge, Nev uh, Judge uh, Nelva Gonzalez uh, Ramos of the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Texas also ordered Wills to pay $172,000 in restitution to the victim and $85,000 in fines. So this, uh, this pedophilia 
you know, the, this uh, sexual misconduct very seriously, you know, Hollywood, uh, you know, corporate types, you know, even a vice president of the Humane Society of the United States. It says here uh, at, from Animals 24-7, Wills destroyed her childhood. Quote, at the hearing, the court heard a statement from the minor victim detailing how Wills destroyed her childhood and caused her lifelong trauma, end quote, said a, a media release from Assistant United States Attorney Ryan Patrick. Exp um, oops, lost my screen there. Okay. Explained the U.S. Department of Justice statement at the uh, time of Will's multiple convictions, rendered after a 10-day jury trial. Quote, the jury heard uh, that from 2012 to 2015, Wills conspired with uh, Maria Candelaria Lasoya and trafficked a young girl, specifically her daughter. Beginning when she was only 10 years of age, Lasoya and Wills used their cell phones to arrange meetings at several different locations where Wills would sexually assault the victim. Uh, these included multiple Wills residences, as well as Lasoya's in Brownsville, and hotels and motels in the greater Corpus Christi area. The victim reported uh, the uh, convicted offenses to school authorities in April 2015. Wills and Lasoya were initially charged in multiple Texas counties, the case was later transferred to federal jurisdi jurisdiction. Uh, let's see. It says the prosecution was delayed not only by alleged uh, prosecution stalling tactics, including multiple unsuccessful appeals of procedural matters, but also by Hurricane Harvey, which in 2017 damaged the courthouse where the trial was to have been. Anyway, so on and on that goes. I wonder if Wills ever was on the uh, Lolita Express, uh, the, the plane to uh, uh, Jeffrey Epstein's island there, you know. Maybe maybe sitting, uh, you know, next to Bill Clinton on the Lolita Express. Anyway, so uh, there's one, a couple of other things I wanted to look at from this uh, animals 24 7 okay so uh so will's got uh life in prison and the accomplice got 15 years you know for uh offering her uh, daughter for will's uh, uh insanity let me see here. I just wanted to look, uh, just for old times' sake here, you know, because uh, over the years we just we just couldn't get enough of uh, you know, complaining about Wayne Pacelli and the Humane Society of the United States on this show. And in the Animals 24/7 article, it says here David Wills and Wayne Pacelli. Wills at the Humane Society of the U.S is believed to have helped to arrange the 
1994 hiring of Wayne Pacelli as Director of Legislation. Pacelli, who had been National Director for the Fund for Animals, became HSUS President in 2004 and brokered the absorption of the Fund for Animals into HSUS uh, six months later. Pacelli resigned in February 2018 after being accused of sexual harassment of employees and of having uh, promoted another staff member, Paul Shapiro, who had been accused of sexual harassment instead of effectively disciplining him. So uh, what's it saying here? It says that... uh, Okay, and uh, Pacelli, instead of disciplining Paul Shapiro for sexual uh, harassment, uh, he promoted him. <laughs> oh, HSUS, you know, just the worst, the worst thing that ever happened to animals. You know, this uh, run by a pig farmer, you know, an animal advocacy group run by a pig farmer, Joe Maxwell, who used to make a much higher profit by claiming his uh, pig meat to be humane. HSUS, the same uh, organization that uh, uh, distributed uh, discount uh, coupons on uh, bacon. It's just endless. And actually, if you listen to a recent show with Donnie Moss, you'll see all the complaints about HSUS and its so-called sanctuaries for rescued primates. Oh, just back to this Animals 24-7 here uh, article. It says, Pacelli now heads the Los Angeles-based organization Animal Wellness Action. Uh, all right, I guess that's that's about all I can stomach really related to uh, HSUS. But see how, uh, how we uh, tie things together here? Uh, because vegan is about anything, so we, uh, it's about all sorts of crazy things right now. Really, bats, uh, bat, uh, the, the bat, uh, bat poop crazy, bat poop crazy. Um, coming up on today's show, we are going to talk to the director of the, uh, International Vegan Film Festival, which is coming right up. This year, it's going to be a virtual affair. All our lives uh, are virtual. Nobody's living in reality. It's all virtual now, uh, our virtual life. So we'll be talking to uh, Sean Stratton coming up today on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. And, uh, you know, um, no, I, I, I don't hunt elk. I never will. Um... I don't know if that's, you know, something you have to do to become a hundred million dollar podcaster like Joe Rogan. So, but please uh, help me become a hundred dollar podcaster. Okay. Can you imagine that a hundred million dollar deal from uh, Spotify for Joe Rogan? It's really quite amazing. So please help me become a $100 podcaster. And I must say that, uh, you know, donations, uh, support is really down since uh, the uh, pandemic, you know. So 
you know, people who were able to help in the past are not able to help now. So if you can help us, you know, this is the, the, the first vegan show ever. We did start this back in 2001. Our anniversary will be in January, our 20th anniversary coming up. So please, if you can support us, that would be great. There's a donate button at GoVeganRadio.com where there are over 600 archived programs that you can hear. Um, or you can do, uh, what, PayPal.me slash GoVeganRadio. Make a tax-deductible donation. And uh, please support this show. And please support your local vegan restaurants, wherever you are. You know, they uh, really need our help right now. Look at the Vegetarian House, 100% vegan restaurant in San Jose. So it had a booming catering business, but then along came the pandemic. And uh, so if you can, uh, you know, order takeout from Vegetarian House. Go to VegetarianHouse.com. It's at 520 East Santa Clara Street in San Jose. You know, the the vegan restaurants around the world, they are our community treasures, offering healthy, nutritious, delicious alternatives to dead animal restaurants, you know. Vegetarian House is 100% vegan, organic, non-GMO. The food there is uh, spectacular, really great. And uh, also, uh, please support, you know, everybody's, you know, the pandemic has been affecting everybody, so everybody could use a little extra boost right now. And uh, I ask that you support Evolution, Evolution Vegan Dog and Cat Food. Go to PetFoodShop.com, PetFoodShop.com. Now, everyone in your family can go vegan. And really, if you knew the ingredients in uh, commercial uh, so-called uh, pet food, uh, you'd, you'd never buy it again. I mean, everything from, uh, you know, the spent hens, um, you know, the, the spent hens producing the cage-free eggs that HSUS uh, tells you to eat, the ground baby chicks uh, from the, uh, you know, all the males, the males uh, in the uh, egg industry, the cage-free egg industry, you know, the cage-free eggs that HSUS tells you to eat. The males are all suffocated or ground alive immediately after birth. They wind up in commercial so-called pet food, along with plasma and sewage. And uh, euthanized dogs and cats wind up in commercial pet food, too rendered dogs and cats and the uh, euthanizing agent. That's why you should be feeding your dogs and cats evolution, vegan dog and cat food. They have vegan treats also. And the food is for all stages of life, uh, meeting or exceeding NRC and AAFCO requirements, kibble or cans, family-owned vegan business for 30 years. Not one product recall ever in uh, the uh, 
30 years of uh, evolution being in business. No chemical preservatives or mold inhibitors, which are carcinogenic. Nope, none of that, none of that gross stuff in evolution. And uh, if you are having uh, some financial difficulties, I'm sure that Eric Weissman would happily give you a break, work something out. You know, so uh, there's also organic uh, evolution. Uh, so the phone number is 651-228-0632. 651-228-0632 for evolution, vegan, dog and cat food. All right, coming up, we will talk about the International Vegan Film Festival, which is coming right up. And again, I ask that you please support this show with a tax-deductible donation. Just hit donate at goveganradio.com. This is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com, on Twitter at GoVeganRadio, Facebook Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. And uh, we invite you to support the program with a tax-deductible donation. There's a donate button at GoVeganRadio.com where you can also find over 600 free archive shows. Yes, we've been doing this since 2001. We're going to keep doing it till we get it right, until uh, the whole world goes vegan. So um, we have uh, the International Vegan Film Festival is coming up October 10th through the 17th. And uh, on today's program, we have its director, Sean Stratton, joining us. How are you today, Sean? Fantastic, Bob. Thanks for having me. How are you? Good, good. As good as can be. All right. Yeah, we're doing fine here now. We're breathing fewer smoke fumes in northern california we can actually see the sun now and uh and i'm just not asking what can happen next i'm, I'm not even asking <laughs> that anymore so, that's this right year. yeah so um so was it your childhood dream to to uh, be the director of an international vegan film festival how how did that come about how how were you the director no, absolutely not. I'm a boy that lives in Canada. I wanted to play hockey. <laughs> <laughs> that was my childhood dream uh, for a long time. But uh, no, yeah, I, uh, I wanted to play center field for the New York Yankees because you know. There I'm you go. New York. So okay. yeah, <laughs> right. I wanted to be. I wanted to play with Wayne Gretzky on the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> but well, that that didn't I, work I, out. I, I hope so you I got know how to skate then, or something. Right? So. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's part of our DNA, I think, up here. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I definitely it wasn't wasn't a dream. Uh, you know, three, four, five years ago, I could never have pictured this. But uh, here we are, three years into it, and uh, I'm you know pursuing my passion and pursuing the mission and uh, really enjoying it. And I think it's a, a valuable festival that we've started and uh, um, like are a growing. Noble and endeavor definitely. And yeah, I, I guess I would never have imagined that I would host a vegan talk show uh, you know myself growing up in new york and uh you know right. just having that normal life even 
winning a hamburger eating contest, who would imagine the future, right? (laughs) But here we are talking vegan. So, um, and uh, is it natural to uh, go vegan in Canada or how, how did, how did you go vegan? Yeah, no, absolutely not. It's uh, it's not natural. Maybe it's going to be one of these days. It's probably very similar to to the United States. But um, yeah, it was. I guess my vegan story started with my wife. Um, it was kind of her idea at the beginning of it all, and um, I think she was she was training for a marathon and had some nagging chronic injuries and heard somewhere on a podcast once that uh, you can you know there's a good chance of. Uh, repairing injuries faster if you're on a plant-based diet and helps with inflammation and things like that and so i think at that point she was like at her wits end and frustrated and was like okay let's maybe i'll try this and at the same time she watched Veducated and um and i saw you know relatively normal people going vegan <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's like maybe we can do this yeah. and uh so she signed up for a colleen patrick goudreau 30-day challenge and and went vegan overnight five years ago and hasn't looked back and um for me, it was uh, was kind of like, oh, okay, you want to do that? Well, that's great. Like we we were always healthy folks and and ate you know relatively healthy diets. And um, I do most of the cooking in the family, so I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll support you at home, but this is your thing, and I'll probably eat meat when I'm out with some buddies or eating out, or whatever. Didn't give it too much thought, but as I started watching more documentaries, I think she kind of slid them in to our our, our movie nights and uh, started reading some more articles and some books and. It took me about three months to kind of fully come in, commit, and come over to the other side, and uh, I haven't looked back since then either. So, it so, was, so uh, you had vegan movie night, so it would only be natural that uh, you'd uh, go into a, a vegan film festival, apparently, if uh, your, well, your vegan movie nights have uh, gone public, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think it would uh, turn into what it is. I uh, watched a few movies back uh, five years ago, but, uh, but it, it did have something to do with it, you know. It, it uh, made me realize when I was looking to do something in the plant-based space and uh, serve the community, I you know, realized how powerful documentaries and films were for our family going vegan. And, and I figured we're not the only ones out there. People you know, must be watching these all over the place and, and having an impact on them. And you know, I thought, maybe there's a film festival out there I can bring to Ottawa and did a bunch of research and was shocked at the time to find that there, there weren't any film, vegan film festivals in the world, let alone one I could bring to Ottawa. So, I, I found that with vegan talk shows in the year 2001. <laughs> it was like, I think I'll listen to a vegan talk show. Uh, oh, there aren't any. I, I guess we have to make one up here. So. Right. 2001, <laughs> there was only a few talk shows, period, <laughs> or podcasts anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm even talking before podcasts. So I was on real radio. So oh, right. Wow. Like, uh, mainstream media. So I started on uh, KRLA in Los Angeles. I, I uh, was involved with organizing a, a vegan uh, festival in L.A. in 2000 and promoting it around town at different radio stations. And at, oh. at KRLA, a producer there said, well, you know, you've been vegan. You're an animal rights activist and, you know, a broadcaster. You should be doing a show now. Go try to sell advertising and pay us money to be on the air. And so I was kind of like a vegan infomercial. So it uh, started on KRLA and then we moved to stations in San Francisco and then the Air America Radio Network. And I thought I would be thrown off the air right away just for the content like that would probably offend most advertisers and maybe the listeners also but people are interested in animal issues and food and health and the environment so uh here we still are you know yeah wow what what a pioneer yeah well i seem to have no choice the uh but um you know there's a 
kind of a commitment to the animals now to just try to keep things going, you know, as, as long as possible. I, I thought it was a quiet little personal decision I was making many years ago. Little, little did I know. So, uh, yeah. So uh, there you are in Ottawa. And, and how are we in the vegan scene in Ottawa? Do we have many vegan restaurants around or? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we've got a good scene here. It's a good community and uh, it's, it's growing, you know, every year more and more restaurants are opening up and more and more products are becoming available in our grocery stores. And uh, yeah, we got a pretty tight knit community. We, you know, we do a lot of events, the, the Veg Ottawa kind of association for the for the area is really active and um, even this summer I think they had the third or fourth annual vegan family camping trip uh, which we participated in which was a lot of fun and uh, yeah we do all kinds of events all right I wonder how many of our listeners now could find Ottawa on the map <laughs> <laughs> well it's the nation's capital so uh, you should be able to find the capitals <laughs> or at least uh, you will after the show it's uh, it's kind of situated right between Toronto and Montreal just uh, an hour north of, of your border. Okay. All right. So we know where to find it, but there's no reason for people to go there this year for the festival. You, you did right. it live uh, when you first started. When when was that? When, when was the yep, first one? Yeah, 2018. So it was our third year. So the first two years, yeah, we're live at a, at a theater here in Ottawa. Mm -hmm. And how, how did it go? It was great. Yeah, it was. Uh, they've they've been really good. They've been you know building each year and uh, growing in interest, and it was a lot of fun. It's uh, you know I'm, I hopefully we'll get the theater experience back someday. I, don't, I think I, I'm I'm excited about this online event, and I think that'll continue. But at the same time, I think theater events are great for these types of things that bring the community together and brings people out that maybe haven't seen each other since last year's festival or haven't seen each other in a long time. And um, we we build a lot of kind of a long. Um, intermission period into our um, screenings and and last year we had a bit of a um, expo and and some food tasting before the event so it's it's nice it's a nice community event right. and uh, yeah unfortunately uh, it, we just can't do it this year yeah I, I know what you mean I've been involved with organizing events too in the reggae vegan fest and all sorts of uh, world oh, wow. vegan summit and expo and um, yeah it's a uh, there's something about community when you can all get together, you know, that's part of the excitement. But in 2020, you know, life, life goes virtual, right? So, that's right. Yeah. So I hope you're wearing a mask talking to me right now, too. Uh, <laughs> my, my microphone's wearing a, wearing a mask. Oh, a windscreen. Right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so this year you have to go virtual, right? So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we've, uh, yeah, we've we've totally gone virtual. We decided kind of in July we finally made the call. We were kind of hoping things would open up, but it's not happening. But uh, you know, with every challenge brings opportunity, and and I think this is an outstanding opportunity, and we're really excited what we've created for uh, the festival this year online. Right, and you know, going online makes everything international. So people who couldn't have made it to Ottawa, who you know couldn't find it on the map and wound up in Miami, Florida, or something, would. Uh, <laughs> You know, uh, you know, everybody's able to attend. So, um, so it's October 10th through the 17th, and uh, tell us about it. What's happening? Yeah. So it's uh, it's going to be yeah for a full week, and there's 28 films, and they're all going to be on demand in uh, starting on the on the 10th. Uh, you can get them on demand, and they're in buckets. So um, each bucket 
there's about 13 buckets, I believe, and each bucket is about 90 minutes. So one bucket might be, uh, and you buy tickets per bucket, or you can buy a pass. So, um, so say one bucket is about, uh, could be one feature film, about an hour and a half, um, or it could be five or six short films. And um, you can pay, yeah, you can buy, uh, there are, the buckets are $10, and so you can buy one if you just want to watch one or, or two, or if you want to get the full pass, it's um, $50 for Canadians and $45 for the rest of the world because uh, there's a couple films that uh, because of distribution rights and things like that are geo-blocked. It can only be watched in Canada. So it's a, it's a little cheaper for the international tickets outside of Canada and, and all the prices are in Canadian dollars. So you folks uh, in the United States get a bit of a discount. Okay. Very good. And uh, uh, where do they go for tickets? Yeah, it's all on our website, just theivff.com. It's theivff.com. IVFF, International Vegan Film Festival. IVFF, yeah, got it. Okay. That's right. Theivff.com. Yeah, and okay. check out through the buckets. We're going to have uh, a bunch of uh, Q&A sessions and maybe a panel discussion and things like that. So uh, a few of the feature films that are going to be in. We're working hard in the next couple of weeks to, to try to line up some pre-recorded Q&As to talk to the filmmakers and maybe the, some of the key cast to, to find out some behind-the-scenes information from the stories and, and any feedback they've had from it and, and what the futures are, depending on kind of the topic and that. So we're really excited about that. Another thing we've done is also had all the filmmakers do their own introduction for their film, which is a lot of fun. I've been really impressed with the, the introductions we've been getting. And, you know, normally I get up or some MC gets up and just reads them off a sheet. But uh, this year it's really fun to have the, the filmmakers introduce that they're really obviously proud of their work and it, and it shows. Mm. And so how did you decide to go virtual? Like what did you pick a specific platform or what the, I mean, right now I'm shopping for platforms and trying mm -hmm. to figure out how I can translate a reggae vegan festival to virtual. So, right. You know, but yeah, uh, no, I did. There was, um, luckily I found a, a Facebook group basically called what to do about film festivals now, <laughs> <laughs> something like, something like that. And, and it's, it started in, in March and, and someone did it and it was basically a bunch of film festival directors getting together to find out like, uh, what, what are you doing? And, um, and from that, you know, all kinds of different platforms started to surface that people have been finding and, and, um, new ones are being invented daily. I think every day I know it's amazing. I, I'm going shopping yeah. for platforms and I, they're, they're suddenly countless. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. And they, um, someone actually did up a spreadsheet. Uh, and so that kind of Google sheet is keeps being added to and um, kind of has the pros and cons of, of the things. And so that was really helpful. And, and that helped me narrow it down and interviewed kind of a couple different platforms and, and ended up going with one called Eventive. And their focus is solely film festivals. Um, and they used to be just a ticketing platform before for in-person events, but they pivoted really quick in, in March and, and developed this film festival platform, and it's, it's done really well. It's uh, it's fairly pricey, but uh, I think it um, it kind of ticks all the box for everything we need. Um, for a film festival, you know, you're really concerned about security of the films, so it has all the protection that um, that's needed to, to host these films so people aren't uh, stealing them and pirating them and things like that. And then it also has the capability of geo-blocking, which, you know, I mentioned some of the films need. And and then it also has a ticketing platform built in, so covered all those needs, and and they have really good customer service, so that's why we ended up going with them. And and so how is it decided uh, what films are uh, part of the festival? Yeah, that's probably the hardest thing that we do is, is trying to narrow it down and, and figure out what films are going in. 
Uh, well, we have a selection committee uh, that's made up about five people that watch all the films that were submitted, and uh, and then we rate them. And so once we've got kind of a master rating, we narrow that down to kind of the top uh, 20 or so that we pass on to the judges. Uh, we don't want to overload our judges with all the films. They're, they're extremely, extremely busy people. So um, we kind of give them the best and uh, they have a month to watch them and then they rate them. And um, from there, we pick the winners. And, and so based on and their ratings and a combination of the, the screener committee ratings, um, we narrow it down to kind of the, the top films. And we don't just always pick the top rated ones. We, you know, we want a diversity of films. We don't want just all animal welfare films or all health and nutrition films. We want a, a diversity of them and uh, and from different places and things like that. So that's kind of how we get to it. But it, it's definitely challenging narrow it down, narrowing it down. So it's a, it's a committee, and then the, uh, what the committee uh, does, uh, pa- uh, you pass on to the judges, and then exactly. So do, do you pick like the best film, or just the judges picking? ones to be shown or are are there awards for like the best film or yeah yeah absolutely yeah so we have five categories and there's an award in each category and then an overall award who was kind of rated the highest and our categories are animal welfare um, environmental protection health and nutrition and lifestyle and so uh yeah there's an award for each category and so we want each category represented obviously in the festival uh, and um, obviously the top films will, will definitely be shown and uh, what uh, films seem uh, interesting this year? Yeah, there's uh, there's obviously a bunch, and they, they range from you know short public service announcements to to an hour and a half feature films. There's a there's a couple great ones out of the UK. One is called Acropolis Cow, uh, and that's okay, about you, you broke uh, up a second. Me- you, you broke up. You, you said uh, 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 it was Acropolis Cow. Okay. Uh-huh. And it's called How Meat Killed the Planet. That's the the subtitle, and and it's really interesting. It's a George Mombat, who's a famous journalist in in the UK, travels around the United Kingdom and shows people kind of the damage that animal agriculture is having on the country. And uh, it goes into the Lake District, which is kind of a coveted recreation vacation area in the UK, and and he it's kind of grassy covered hills and mountains and. People love it there and they think it's beautiful. And he gets up there and talks about how like this is a sheep wasteland and, you know, this should be covered in trees, but it's been all cut down for the sheep and the sheep eat everything in sight. And this is horrible. And talks about uh, some fish uh, in the streams and how like they used to be teeming with fish and, and, and all the pollution coming downstream and things like that. And so that's really interesting. And then there's one out of Germany called Buntenland, uh, which talks about um, a dairy farmer who connects with an animal rights activist who eventually turns his whole dairy farm into uh, a farm sanctuary, calls it a retirement home for cows and ends up turning his, his farm into kind of a bed and breakfast and a vacation destination. And the whole story of, of how that happens, uh, the filmmaker follows him for over two years to, to capture the story. Uh, we love those transformations. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. There's, um, you know, Peter submitted a film called uh, former pig worker tells all. And so it, it's from Saskatchewan. It tracks a, a young man who worked at a pig farm and, and just talks about what it's like in there, what it's like getting a job there, what it's like working there, and, and how he was transformed after he left to become an animal rights advocate. Um, it's a really compelling story. Mm-hmm. So uh, people can see the films. Uh, you have them listed on the website. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And um, 
I was kind of going through them. Can I can I make a complaint to the judges? Would you mind? Would that be terrible? absolutely? Okay. Yeah, let's hear it. Um, so um, I think one of the films is called um, what is it? Um, Rescue Rescuing Sky or Freedom for Freedom for Sky. Freedom for Sky. Yeah, and apparently that um, is uh, about the uh, Humane Humane Society International HSI. Yes. Um, yep. Which I, I think is a heinous, oh. <laughs> heinous organization, uh, which is actually right. a, it's it's a member of a global uh, livestock alliance um, to meet uh, uh, the uh, you know the 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 demands of uh, oh a seventy percent increase in meat consumption by twenty fifty, but you know HSI. Hmm. And the Humane Society of the United States, I would be doing films to expose them for um, really betraying animals. That's my that's my really? feeling about them. You yeah. want to? I, I just yeah. Well, the, the film is not about the Humane Society. Um, it was produced by some people that work for them, or they may have paid for it. But the film is about the the dog trade in Korea. Uh, so I, I just want to make that um, known because it's uh, yeah, it's it's not necessarily about the work. Well, um, all the way they do and. Um, but it's, it's yeah. Generally speaking, I mean, I think that you know, talking about that's the dog eating trade and dog eating in Korea. Yes. Um, yeah, and re- rescuing them and bringing them to the United States. And... Right. So um, again, I I just think that uh, those dogs are props for the Humane Society International. That uh, the Humane Society of the United States could pay to have every dog and cat neutered in this country for birth prevention and. Also, most people mistake the Humane Society of the United States for their local shelters, so they wind up getting a lot of money that people really should be donating to their local shelters. And there's just so much wrong with HSUS and HSI. Uh, you know, the Humane Society of the United States was run by a pig farmer for many years and uh, you know, has uh, partnerships with United Egg Producers and their legislation. And I, I just could go on and on about that. And I, I think talking about you know dogs being eaten in korea there there might be a little racist uh undertone to like how how the people there are they're so uncivilized they're eating dogs um yet uh you know they should you know let let them get civilized and eat uh, cows and pigs and chickens like like civilized people do and i i don't see hsi ever bringing um you know, a rescued chicken from there to here. So I, I just see all of their work as an opportunity to raise donations and they're very wealthy and they betray animals. So I apologize for that, but um, um, <laughs> it's my opinion. I have to tell the judges. Also, um, Meet the Future um, mm-hmm. is, is about uh, lab meat. And mm-hmm. again, that's uh, lab meat is, is not vegan. Um, no. So I would think that, you know, maybe... That would belong at a, uh, you know, a, a meat innovation uh, conference or something. But it's, uh, you know, the, it's using animals for their cells. And then I believe you have to use a bovine, uh, you, you know, uh, the, the blood from uh, baby uh, unborn cows to, to feed those cells. So um, I just find uh, the whole lab meat thing. And the only I don't know who wants to eat it. It seems like vegans just want, you know for some reason meat eaters to eat that kind of animal meat which i don't know doesn't doesn't make sense to me so anyway th- my complaints yeah. <laughs> my complaints to the judges uh on on that i don't know what do you, you want to say something yeah no for sure yeah you know no it's it's a good point and um 
yeah, we, we've had a lot of discussions within our within our team about um, a lot of the films, but uh, Meet the Future for sure. And we, we debated um, whether we should show it or not. And um, I think ultimately we decided to do that because, uh, well, number one, I think a lot of the folk, it, it does provoke discussion. Um, I think the, the people that are, you know, involved in, in moving the animal cell based meat forward are, you know, their, their motives, uh, at least some of their motives are, are reducing the amount of harm for animals in the world. And, and that's a way they're doing it. And I think it provokes a lot of discussion. And, and that's one place actually we're working on with the festival in the next couple of weeks, we hope to launch, um, kind of a discussion chat board, not even discussion chat board, chat rooms. And so, um, each night of the week of the festival, we're hoping to have um, kind of a live chat that um, that people can join to discuss these things. And, and I think that's what film festivals are about, to show some controversial type films. And, you know, if everybody walked out of there and, and felt the same way about every single film, like that, that just wouldn't be possible because yeah. everybody well, has they, a different If they opinion. could all walk out and say, well, I'm glad I'm vegan or I'm going to yeah. go vegan. <laughs> Absolutely. Think. Yeah, that, that's our goal. But at the same time, we want to provoke discussion and sure. and opinions and ideas and um, and see what can come from them. And so ultimately, we decided to do it. But unfortunately, Meet the Future is one of those that is geo-blocked. So that's only available um, to our Canadian audience. Oh, good. Good. I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to censor it anyway. No, I'm, I'm against censorship. This age of censorship now. You know, it's like, okay, well, people people should see this. But I I didn't really understand, you know, why vegans were embracing, um, you know, cell culture meat or lab meat or yeah, I, I think a lot of it is just the it's the overall reduction of, of animal harm. And, and, you know, if if the world embraces cell meat, there's going to be less animals that are um, butchered and slaughtered and, and growing for animal agriculture. I think that's kind of the but, heart but of many, it. Many still will be. So and, and, and the thing is, you know, when we make uh, people feel good about things that aren't really so good, I mean, you, you, you need um, you, you're going to need uh, donor animals and the donor animals are going to be confined and probably mutilated and then they'll be slaughtered too so we can't forget about them you know what about me you know all the numbers are um, and and then you know of course the the cell culture is fed with a uh, bovine uh, fetal uh, serum so you know that it, it is right now but they and, and i'm not trying to stand up for them i'm not i'm not a meat eater either but um just from watching the, the film and other films on it is that uh, none of these uh, cell-based meats are actually on the market yet so you can't even buy them um and and, and the manufacturers and who wants seem, them anyway you know <laughs> well the, the manufacturers seem to say that they will not release they're, they're trying to come up with a synthetic version of the i guess the the bovine syrup that they have to take from the fetuses and and they won't you know, produce one and sell it that that has that in it. Um, it sounds like their technology is advancing, and that's what they're they're trying to achieve before that actually ever hits the market. So, yeah, um, yeah I encourage everybody in. to watch it. I yeah, encourage yeah. everybody to watch it, and you can watch it. I think through their website or maybe on on iTunes or um, places you can rent it. So, mm-hmm. and so, um, what you, you've been doing the the festival now? This is your third year. What films won in the past? Like what have been some of the yeah, and the first year we had a lot of great success. Um, the the winner was uh, 73 Cows, which is about a, a short documentary out of the UK, which is um, about a, a, a kind of a lifelong farmer inherited a farm and, and turned his farm into a, an animal sanctuary after deciding he just couldn't handle sending his cattle to the abattoir anymore. And um, that film went on to win the 
BAFTA award for the best documentary that year. The BAFTA is the British Film and Television Awards, which are kind of the equivalent to the Grammys in um, and the Oscars in, in the UK. And so that was a really big deal to have a vegan theme film win that. And that was a few months after our festival. So I like to think it maybe got a good uh, boost or a nudge by uh, getting some press from, from winning our festival. But uh, yeah, Alex Lockwood was the director of that and um, he sent some great things. And then last year, the winner was uh, Bucking Tradition, which is a film out of the United States. That's all about the um, kind of the, the, the horrible, um, acts of the rodeo and, and what goes on in a rodeo and and it travels kind of throughout the united states and follows a bunch of different rodeos and um, really lets people see what goes on behind the scenes and talks to some vet vets that used to work for rodeos and then vets that have left rodeos and and um yeah it just talks about like just the inhumane conditions that that those animals go through um, so those are a couple of the winners that that have been uh, really highlights of the festival mm-hmm. okay we're talking to sean stratton He's with the International Vegan Film Festival. It's, uh, what is it, V-I-V-F-F dot... Com. Com. Okay. Yeah. And uh, when you're not uh, directing film festivals, what, what are you doing in real life? Yeah, well, it does take up a lot of my time. Uh, I'm, I'm a dad to, to three beautiful daughters. They're three, seven, and nine. Uh, so that takes up a lot of my time. And I also have my own uh, leadership consulting business. So my background is in, in kind of leadership training, and I do corporate leadership and, and team building and keynotes on, on leadership. I've written two books on leadership. And uh, so that takes up a lot of my time as well. But uh, the festival, I, I like to think of it as uh, it's not just a, a project or a business with a mission. It's a it's a mission with a, with a business. So um, it's definitely <laughs> right. well, a passion that's project. That's, that's what I appreciate. I, I appreciate when you know, it might be that, uh, you know, the model is to help animals and money might come, you know, after, you know, the, Someday, the, maybe. the, 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 the desire to help animals. But with uh, some organizations, the model is how do we make money off of animals, you know? Right. And, uh, right. and again, I, I not well, I've complained about HSUS and HSI for forever. It's practically mm-hmm. half of what I talk about. Um, and uh you know, they just, uh, I don't know, just uh, too, too, too much to go into from uh, right. you know, what, uh, what, what they've done in the past. Um, so, uh, oh, yeah, so I see you have a best-selling book, What are Teams on the Edge, mm-hmm. Stories yep. and uh, Lessons from Wilderness Expeditions. Is that what it is? Or Wilderness? Yep. Ah, Okay. So uh, tell us a little about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, my, my, my background, uh, my previous background was was leading wilderness expeditions with a focus on leadership training for about 15 years um, throughout the world, teaching kind of mountaineering, sea kayaking, backpacking, whitewater canoeing, um, a lot with university and college students doing semester programs, so kind of month-long to three-month-long courses. And um, yeah, it was it was my it was living the dream. I uh, Worked a lot in Mexico in the winter and worked a lot in the Yukon and Alaska in the summer and trips to India and Australia and New Zealand and a couple trips to Africa. And yeah, that was that was uh, that was kind of my 20s and early 30s. And uh, yeah, I've taken a lot of lessons and, and a lot of learning from that experience and then kind of transfer that into the to the leadership, uh, leadership training into the corporate world. 
Can you be a little more specific about what leadership training might be in the corporate world? Like, what, how, you know, like. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I work with a lot of a lot of project managers and engineers, a lot of people that are really smart and technical, and um, because of their kind of technical prowess, they get chosen by management to move into leadership positions. <laughs> you know, you're really good at that engineering thing you do. So let's take you away from that and make you a lead manager. <laughs> and and, and fail, you go, fail your way to the top, right? Right. And they go, okay, uh, I don't know how to do conflict resolution. I'll just uh, pretend it didn't happen. <laughs> and, um, and so a lot of it is, is training these, these really bright people in, in leadership techniques because they don't get a lot of formal training or leadership training. And, and so teaching conflict resolution, teaching communication styles to Decision making, leadership styles, um, doing that, that while like I could benefit from your course. There, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's everything, and it's not just yeah, it's not just stuff that helps you in the corporate environment. It helps you at home as well, <laughs> with your family. But um, yeah, I, I love that, and uh, so I do that as sometimes like kind of offsite retreats. Sometimes I'll do two or three day kind of keynote retreats or um, full retreats at a retreat center. Sometimes it's uh, it's an hour keynote at a conference at a industry conference type of thing. Um, and I share stories and lessons from my expeditions with some slides and images and things like that to keep it exciting, keep people awake in the audience and, and try to kind of show them how lessons uh, can translate from kind of the team environment in the wilderness to a team environment in the in the corporate land. We need somebody to lead the team to direct an international vegan film festival. Huh? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I can use all the help I can get. <laughs> I, I know the feeling. Yeah. So um, anything else you want to say about the festival or yeah i don't think so or yeah veganism or <laughs> your daughter yeah or... <laughs> yeah right well uh don't don't, and, don't and, uh, uh, they're growing up vegan then huh are they absolutely yeah yep yeah two of them uh were vegan turned vegan when they were two and four and and the other one's been vegan since birth and uh it's been it's been a fantastic journey that is yeah. wonderful. Very often but, kids tell their parents, you know, I, I, I don't want to eat meat. There are lots of kids <laughs> who insist upon it, you know. So I, I wish I had been that smart, you know. Right. Yeah, me too. Yeah. No, fortunately, they didn't know really any different. And, and you know, we've hopefully raised them right and that they, they realize what they're doing and, you know, age appropriate levels. And, um, you know, the nine year old's dream right now is to own a farm sanctuary when she gets older. So she's she's into it. <laughs> That's all of our dream. All vegans want to have an animal sanctuary and, and a restaurant, probably. Right. So, exactly. Yeah. So, so again, the International Vegan Film Festival. It's virtual this year, and it's uh, October 10th through the 17th. And uh, kind of interesting, the idea of buckets. You know what I mean? When you were talking about mm -hmm. that, I was just reflecting on why did we name it buckets? You know, or like <laughs> pots and pans or boxes. Or it's interest interesting concept that. Who came yeah. up with bucket? Who came up with the bucket? I don't know. I was gonna call it sessions, and then I saw some other festivals were calling it buckets. It's uh, your bucket. You fill up your bucket with movies and, and go watch them. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe buckets of popcorn while you're doing it. Yeah. Well, in, in your case, it's buckets of time, right? That's, so, that's right. Yeah. Okay. And the website again for the festival is. Yeah, it's just the t h e i v f f dot com, and uh, all the information's there. And if you need any, got any questions or have any challenges or issues, just just let us know through the website, and and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. Well, terrific. Well, thanks for what you're doing, Sean. It's a very noble endeavor to put together a vegan film festival, and I wish you uh, much success with it. Well, thanks very much. I really appreciate you having me on, Bob, and uh, I'm really um, looking forward to the festival and, and seeing everybody soon. Okay, terrific. Thanks for being with us. All right. You have a great day. You too.
Okay, that'll just about do it for this episode of Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. We are at uh, GoVeganRadio.com where you can make a tax-deductible donation to support our work. And uh, on Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. And Twitter, at Go Vegan Radio. It seems that maybe I have, uh, you know, haven't been, uh, you know, posting and tweeting and all as much as I used to. I guess I'm, I'm a little disheartened by the censorship of... Uh, you know, the uh, social media at this point. I uh, find it very frustrating as somebody who was, uh, you know, I've been arrested like six or seven times for freedom of speech issues, and uh, I'm I'm offended by censorship, and I don't know, you know, what right Twitter and Facebook and uh, YouTube and Google what right do they have to uh, make themselves uh, the censors? You know, it's not, it's not right. I, so I guess I've lost some enthusiasm for the social media, but although I guess that's where everybody is, so maybe I need to uh, be there more often. But, you know, to me it's like, okay, I'm, I'm posting on Pravda. You know, by my being there, it shows support of the censors. And uh, I don't support the censors, you know, but... I guess it is good to be in touch with people there, although how do I even know you know most of the people who are in touch with me on Facebook or Twitter are, are real people? Maybe they're robots, you know, maybe they're artificial intelligence. So, well, you've come to the right place here. You know, no artificial intelligence. Some people might say no intelligence at all, but um, hopefully at least as much intelligence as the Joe Rogan show, <laughs> there he is. I'm so jealous. He's getting a hundred million dollars to talk about hunting, to talk about you know that his refrigerator is is uh, full of uh, chilled elk bodies. So I don't know. He's getting a hundred million dollars. Are we worth a hundred dollars to you, or, or fifty, or five dollars, whatever? You know, we would greatly appreciate your support of this show at goveganradio.com.